this time of year can really get overwhelming. Maybe if we borrow some of the holiday traditions from the old world, it can help us get into the real spirit of Christmas. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Coming up, we're looking at how some of our friends in England, Belgium, Hungary, Portugal, the Czech Republic, and Germany celebrate the holidays. The 19th century is the invention of Christmas as we know it. The focus on family and harmony and the kids. In Portugal, it's traditional to set the table for all members of the family. We put the table for our dead relatives. Always we think about them in this important period. And in England, everybody finishes Christmas lunch in time to watch the Queen's annual speech on TV. She talks about the importance of Christmas and what it means to everybody, and she talks about the Commonwealth of peoples. Come along as we celebrate European Christmas traditions in the hour ahead. It's Travel with Rick Steves. With Christmas fast approaching, chances are you're racing to finish your annual shopping frenzy on time. The kids are dreaming of what Santa might bring. And you've got to figure out how your family and friends will share the biggest, brightest, and possibly the most stressful holiday of the year. Let's press pause for the hour ahead and take a few moments to learn how people in the old world get into the holiday spirit. On today's Travel with Rick Steves, we're exploring European traditions for the holidays with friends from Germany, England, Belgium and Budapest, Portugal and Prague. A lot of the essential components of our Christmas celebrations originated in Germany. They gave us the Christmas tree and Silent Night. Let's start the hour to see how our friends Fabian Reuger, Carolina Marburger and Holger Zimmer are enjoying the season in Germany. Fabian, Carolina, Holger, thanks so much for sharing your Christmas with us. Thanks for having Thanks us. Having Freue Weihnachten. Yeah. <laughs> so when we think about Germany, Americans think about Otanenbaum. That's German, isn't it? A Christmas tree. Let's think about back when you were children. What are the memories? Carolina, tell me about uh, the Christmas tree and how you decorated mm, it. My favorite thing actually is that we always, back in the day, today it's just our family, but back in the day all our friends came to our house and we went out to cut the trees. Mm -hmm. And we still do cut the trees ourselves. Back the old tradition is actually because I come from a region where the forests are owned by the Duke. And so the tradition actually is, surprisingly, it was the proper thing to do. You stole it. That was what was expected. <laughs> so, no, no, you have to steal it. Then it's a proper Christmas tree. Steal the tree from the Duke. Yes. Freya Weihnachten, uh, Duke. Yes. And then we bring it home and it would take a full day and everyone's efforts to, to decorate it. And, of course, natural candles, of course. That's Natural candles? Natural oh, candles, yes. yes. Holger, so how did I you think, decorate it? Yeah, we still actually also cut the Christmas tree also together with my little daughter. So that's the tradition that people mm -hmm. still do. We go out and, of course, now we buy it. The Duke is not there anymore to <laughs> steal <laughs> it from. from. But... I remember back to my childhood, a lot of secrecy is involved. Someone, you know, got the tree, put it up, but we as kids couldn't see that because mm -hmm. it was kind of hidden. It was like in the Weihnachtszimmer. There's like the the living room would turn into the Christmas room. The door is locked. The door is not there. Oh, so the living cannot, room was actually yes, no go zone for the no children. It's a no go zone. So basically, whatever goes on in terms of. You know, putting the nativity scene or, you know, decorating the tree, getting all the stuff on there and the candles. That is done behind closed doors. So only then, when like maybe after coming from church, then you were allowed the little bell rings like ding, 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 ding. And then you would come in and everything was there, like the candles were lit. And that was like the first time we as kids, and still that's what we do still with so our little daughter. So that's a wonder that you've created. Yes. The parents create this wonder, wonder for the children. Yes. And that's still, I see that still in the eyes of my little daughter. She comes in, look, Dad, look, Dad, what happened? The tree is decorated. Yes. There's presents, the candles, yes. the real yes. candles on the tree. Do we you have candles, real candles today? We still today? have real candles today. That's something. Or the fire extinguisher nearby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bucket of water <laughs> will do. A little bucket of water. <laughs> Fabian, your childhood memories of the tree. 
the candles, the real candles, very important. But for me, the, the Christmas season really always began with December 6th, with the morning of St. Nicholas Day. Oh, yeah. Because that is the day that Santa Claus drops by for the first time to tell you whether you have been good this year or not and give you a little inkling, a little hint. And so in the evening, you'd put your shoes out and then you go to bed. And the next morning, either Santa Claus or his assistant have given you a hint. If you've been a good child, Santa Claus has left possibly chocolate or even a little gift in your shoes. If you've been bad, there's a lump of coal. But do you have time then to make good before Christmas comes? Yeah, you then the have between December 6th <laughs> and December more. 25 <laughs> to be a very good child. Important about that is yeah. uh, not only put it up, but you have to shine the shoes first. Oh, oh, you yes. got to work for oh, that. Oh, yes. Otherwise, no, yeah. no feeling. And then did you normally have some good news or bad news on oh, December 6th? I, I personally, um, always made sure I would have good news, so I tried to behave before December 6th. <laughs> this is one thing that uh, transcends borders. The <laughs> kids are being extorted and frightened into being good kids. Are you nutty or nice? Uh, what about music or movies or TV specials? Uh, in America, we have certain you know, cherished specials. Uh, in Germany, as a child, or your kids today? Well, of course, it is the Christmas songs that we expect to sing in church, the silent night that everyone now sings, of course, in any language language, but in its original form. And the most common Christmas movie that we watch is one of my cherished films that is a Czech East German production of 1973 of a Cinderella, Three oh, Nuts yes. for Cinderella. Um, nuts. Um, and it is one of the most feisty Cinderellas there is, I think, in the world. Um, and no, it's one minute. of the most charming three, films. Three, three nuts, nuts for, for Cinderella. Cinderella. And this is produced by... Communist East Germany and the Socialist That's Republic wonderful. of Czechia. So what is and it? How, how could this be that the communist governments would partner and, and produce a, a Christmas well, movie? everyone needs fairy tales. It is, yeah. they, they produce wonderful ones. Did it have and an agenda or was it just no, no agenda? No, it didn't just have. It doesn't loving. have a political agenda. So it's just However, fun it's loving. quite. It's a very, very strong Cinderella, unlike some of the more very silent ones. When it comes to like traditions, also music, like for us, it is important that we sing together. Like it's not just like we put on a tape and there's like Bing Crosby going on. No, it's like the old traditional songs that we used to sing and we like to sing. And when we come home from church, the first thing we do is on Christmas Eve, we get together and sit in one room, just candles in our hand. And and we sing as a family together the Christmas songs. And uh, if we really want to do it, and, and my kid wants to do it, we dance around the Christmas tree. It's kind of weird, but it still it lives on. These traditions are still there. This is great to know that it lives on. I've been in Nuremberg on a very cold night with a, a group going from square to square and into the church courtyard and candlelit and singing these songs with gusto. And it's just beautiful to hear the Christmas carols that I grew up with in German. Silent Night was originally in German. I mean, Americans probably think it was written in English, but no, that's a translation. Stille Nacht. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Freue Weihnachten. We're learning about Christmas in Germany right now on Travel with Rick Steves with tour guides Holger Zimmer, Carolina Marburger, and Fabian Reiger. When we think about special traditions in Germany... Uh, what are some of the the regional uh, things, regional specials? Very famous is the Dresden Christstollen, which is a Saxon tradition. It's a sweet kind of bread into which you also put a marzipan. I think bread is the wrong term. It tastes more like a cake, really, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, it usually has raisins in it. You can get it with or without marzipan filling, and it's powdered sugar around. And that is a tradition that is exported from Dresden all over Germany. So it, it is almost a moral must to have a Dresden Christstollen. If you are talk to Dresdners, they're very picky in particular about the Christstollen. They say, well, 
you either have a Flüsterstollen or you have a Schreistollen. Mm -hmm. So there's a Stollen where it's whispering or the one that has to scream. And it's like, what is that? Like screaming Stollen? It's a screaming cake? No, the thing is, you have to have a lot, a lot, a lot of raisins in it. And the more raisins you have there, the closer they are together in the cake so they can whisper to each other. And that is a good quality oh, That's stall. the whispering. That is the whispering Very stall. nice. And I the like screaming that. one, they have to yell louder to that's it. communicate. Yeah, you don't want that. Ah, I got that. Yeah. Caroline, do you have another uh, regional specialty? Yes. The area that is called Erzgebirge, or all mountains, that is famous for mining, is called Christmas Land because it has to do with the going down of mining that was silver and tin uh, in the 19th century. And the only thing that they were left with were the forests. And so they were famous for their toy production and wood production because the 19th century is the invention of Christmas as we know it and particularly the kind of focus on family and harmony and the kids as Holger said that is when toys became the most important thing and so the toy production of that region became the most famous and one of the most famous exports of the GDR during the time So that was in former Eastern Germany? Former Eastern Germany A fascinating way to look at German Christmas history is in Rotenburg there's a Christmas museum above Mm -hmm. the Katie Wolfart shop and it is you know it's just a commercial shop, but it is quite an impressive museum, and I love the little ornate, beautiful, lovingly put together ornaments and so on that go back to the to the 19th century. So you say Christmas as we know it started really in the 19th century, the way we celebrate it and so on in, in many ways, but it also goes back 500 years to Martin Luther. How did Martin Luther impact how Germans celebrate Christmas? Well, Martin Luther, I think when Fabian said Santa Claus, you are from the Catholic region of the Rhineland, right? (laughs) Indeed. And it shows, because Santa Claus is Saint Nicholas, and therefore Luther basically transformed the day that the presents were given from the 6th of December to the 24th. We, of course, let that all, everyone should know, we open our presents and get our presents on the 24th. But it started with Luther that wanted to get, of course, the saints was something he he, he criticized, and therefore he wanted to have the focus on Jesus' birth, and the Mm. Jesus being the present himself, of course, and also being the one, the Christkind was invented as the one that gives the presents to the kids, and so it wouldn't be the saint. Bottom line, you got to give gifts to the kids. Yes. Okay, so Santa Claus, well, St. Nicholas, that's a Catholic saint. Santa Claus, that's some weird guy that's not in the Bible. Uh, Jesus, baby Jesus, but he's being born. How can he give gifts? Indeed. So Germany ends up having a Christkind, mm-hmm. the Christ child, mm-hmm. which is not Jesus. No, it's usually a very beautiful blonde girl, an angel kind of figure. In Nuremberg, when you go to the Christmas market, there is actually the Nuremberger Christkindl. Um, and she's so, the and she's the pop star of the Christmas celebrations. Indeed, indeed. She's the, the heartthrob of all these little children. Mm-hmm. And Nuremberg uh, has celebrates this Christkind, and she is like a goddess on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And she comes and gives the gifts. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking Christmas with our three friends from Germany, three guides, Holger Zimmer, Fabian Reuger, and Carolina Marburger. Let's just close with, I'd like to just go back to your childhood and think of family time together and the rich traditions you've all shared And I'd also like to bring in food, a traditional dish, something that really says Christmas in a traditional way to you. Holger. So funnily enough, we had uh, this, uh, you know, tradition of like Würstchen mit Kartoffelsalat, like sausages and potato salad. That's one thing. But we actually, in some point, like in my family personally, we had a personal tradition of going to have fondue which is like, you know, one big pot of broth. You light a little uh, Mm -hmm. kind of gas fire underneath and you cook it up and you have like, everyone has lots of, you know, little slices of raw meat. It brings us together. Everyone puts uh, the fork in there and we all make the sauces together. So we don't buy any stuff. Like we make the sauces that we go with it all at the same day together. So that's a tradition we still have and we we cherish that and that's great. Carolina. 
Well, in my family, Christmas always, of course, starts indeed with going to the service, which is the one day that most Germans would go to church. And then after the traditional meal on Christmas Eve for us is always about the simplicity, the humble humility of Christmas. Uh -huh. And so it is indeed finely minced sausage with a very special potato salad that is the recipe of my grandmother's, very special with sauce bernaise. And I look forward to this every single year. It's the very simple food, but I love it. It's just that one day that we have it with beer. Can you say it in German for me, the, the sausage and the... And Fleischwürstchen mit Kartoffelsalat. Say it with the word grandmother in there. Fleischwürstchen mit meiner Großmutter's Kartoffelsalat. There you go. <laughs> and Fabian. Nothing conjures Christmas for me like the smell of German gingerbread. Mm. If I don't have it over Christmas time, something's wrong. And if I smell gingerbread in the summer, something's wrong. It belongs to Christmas and it belongs to the cold period of the year. And I get personally upset when I come to Germany in, say, early September and I see gingerbread already in the shops. That is just plain wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can smell the gingerbread right now. I'd like to say Danke schön and Freue Weihnachten to each of you. Happy Christmas. Frohe Weihnachten. Weihnachten. <laughs> Your image of a traditional Christmas might be influenced by Dickens. Or maybe you've developed a taste for figgy pudding. Up next, it's Christmas time in merry old England. And we'll enjoy the cozy traditions of the Low Countries, too, in just a few minutes on Travel with Rick Steves. Okay, blame it on Mr. Scrooge. For many of us, our images of an ideal Christmas might look like 19th century London, with a turkey in the oven and carolers in the streets. For a taste of the holidays in 21st century Britain, we're joined now by three of my friends from some of the less frenzied corners of the country. Liz Boardman comes to us from the historic city of Bath. Mark Seymour hails from the southwest of England. And Lorraine Deneen makes her home in the scenic Cotswolds. Happy Christmas, everybody, and welcome. Good to be here. Lovely. Nice to see you. Yeah, now, when we think about Christmas in England, which traditions do you think distinguish England from the United States or Germany or France and so on about how Christmas is celebrated. Right? Oh, well, how about... Uh, it doesn't happen so much in our family anymore, but when I was small, we always had to get our Christmas lunch finished in time for three o'clock when the Queen's speech was broadcast. We always had to be ready to watch the Queen's speech. And there are some people still, because at three o'clock every Christmas day, The Queen's speech is broadcast to the nation on the television. So all across England, traditionally, people are gathered with their families in front of the TV to hear the Queen. We sit down, and in my family, my household, we would not eat Christmas pudding after the meal. We would wait for the Queen's speech, and we would have our Christmas pudding with the brandy ignited as she made her announcement. Wow. And Liz, how about you? That's exactly it, Rick. It's a bit of a family tradition. And I still remember my dad, because at the beginning of the speech, they generally played the national anthem and my dad would always stand up yeah. and he'd be wearing his paper crown from pulling the cracker at lunchtime. And we would also delay our Christmas pudding until after the Queen's speech. So he had the cracker. What is the Christmas cracker? The cracker is something that we decorate the uh, table for, for the Christmas lunch. And everyone has a cracker. And the cracker is just literally colored paper. And you, you have to pull the cracker in a certain way that you actually have to sit with your arms crossed And everyone makes a circle with the crackers and you physically pull the crackles and they pop. You're, you're sitting around in a circle and you cross your arms so you can kind of reach 
by crossing your arms to the person on either side of you. That's You're right. connected by the cracker, and you yeah. all pull them at the you same time? Yeah. At the same and time. So crack, 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 and, it just, exactly and you've got it. confetti everywhere. Yeah. Uh, no, no, often it'll, no. be a, it'll be a paper hat, a paper crown, mm. and some small gift and some small joke or piece of a little, trivia a inside the cracker. A little toy or something inside the cracker, but everybody has to put their paper hats on. And then you sit around and you watch the Queen on TV? Yeah. <laughs> With the paper hats With on the paper hats colors, on. Yes. And your fathers who fought through the war and understand the importance of patriotism and everything remind you that this is Definitely. a time to be thankful. And wear paper hats. And wear paper hats and, <laughs> and pay attention to the Queen. So what's the Queen going to say? It's changed a lot nowadays. She will say what the Prime Minister has told her to say. But um, it used to be just a, a warm announcement to the nation. She talks about the importance of Christmas and what it means to everybody. And she talks about the Commonwealth of Peoples. So she puts a positive spin on the British Empire. Yeah. And is she speaking as, because I understand the Queen is the head of the church and the state, isn't it, right? So is it a Christian message? Yes, Yes. very much so. It's going to be a Christian message Mm. and be thankful to be British. Yeah, and let's learn the lessons of charity and love. and. It's almost like um, you have the State of the Nation speech over here from the President. Um, It's almost like that. It's non-political, of course, because Mm -hmm. it's the Queen, it's the royal family. Yeah. That's great. If you think back to your, your childhood, apart from the three o'clock meeting with the Queen on the TV, <laughs> what, what's, a, what's a warm and cozy uh, memory you have from your childhood that maybe is a little tougher to get these days, but that you, you cherish? It's stockings. Yeah. Christmas stockings. Yeah. And it's a childlike thing, but we do carry it on into our adult life as well, where as children, you have the Christmas stocking that you lay out on Christmas Eve in the hope that Father Christmas is going to come and visit you during uh-huh. the night. And uh, you wake up Christmas morning and it's that moment when you know it's Christmas morning and you yeah. reach out uh, and feel for the stocking and it's got something inside something it. Something in it. Yeah, something And would it inside. be something humble but beautiful like little fruits and candies? That or? would be exactly it. Right. For some reason, we always used to have satsumas. Yeah, yeah we did. Me too. Yeah. Satsumas. Satsumas and walnuts. Yeah, Which as a child, you just chuck those to one side. You weren't interested in those <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think the possession of mine that is the oldest from my life is my stocking. It's, yeah. It says Ricky on it and I had it, I must have had it when I was four years old and I still hang it up. It's a, one of those traditions that you don't want to let go. I have to say, I mean, the stocking is traditional and it's something that we're all familiar with on both sides of the, of the Atlantic by the sounds of it. But uh, yeah. the thing I used to really look forward to and it's the mercenary in, in me, I'm afraid, it wasn't the stocking with it, the satsuma and the walnuts, it was the pillowcase at the foot of the bed. Pillowcase? Filled with gifts. Yeah, yeah, well, that, we had a at pillowcase. The, at wow. the foot of the bed? Yes, yeah. pillowcase, yes. And if you were very lucky, maybe two. But, but what about... A what double about, pillowcase. Santa <laughs> always loved you more. <laughs> what did I do wrong? <laughs> so, but that's interesting. So English kids get a pillowcase at the foot of the bed because we would always go to the um, fireplace because Santa would come down the chimney. Did mm. your mom and dad leave out a mince pie and a glass of sherry for Santa? Always. Yeah. What Always. do you feed Santa Claus in England? Is mince pie and mince sherry? Mince pie and a glass of mm. sherry, mm. yeah. Oh. We did, um, for, for my children, for the next generation, we also used to leave out a carrot for Rudolph. Oh, that's inclusive. <laughs> yes, it's, it's funny, the, the sherry story is an interesting one that Santa Claus loves sherry, but my mother also used to love sherry. There's a coincidence, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe she picked it up from Santa Claus, I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Okay, yeah. so what about decorating the tree? But not just the tree, decorations generally. I remember as a boy, uh, there was not a lot of money in my household in the 60s growing up. Uh, right. Still coming off the back of World War II, believe it or not. Yeah. So we used to buy rolls of crepe paper and we cut it into strips and then we would stick the ends together and loop oh. them. Lorraine, how did you decorate your tree? 
uh, tinsel, lots of tinsel, right. baubles, and some of the baubles you hang on the tree What's go a back bauble? generations. What do you call it? <laughs> the bauble is the ornate decoration. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Ornament. Yes. We call yes. it yes. ornament. Oh, right. yes, yes. I like bauble. Bauble. All right. So they're baubles. And some of them ha- have real significance within the family, so they probably yeah. go back generations. They might be baubles your granny used, and yeah. when she died, they got passed down. And always on the top was a fairy. You put a fairy on top of your tree, yeah. Mark? Yes, yes, definitely put a fairy, fairy. on the top and of your tree. And Liz? Yes. Definitely a fairy. A fairy, not always, a star, a fairy. No, no. Always and a fairy. Very often the fairy would be the family heirloom that would be passed on from generation ah, to generation. That's so true. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking Christmas in England, and we're joined by three little kids who really enjoy <laughs> their the pillowcase full of goodies at the foot of their bed on Christmas morning after it's Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red Norse Wander, isn't it, in England? Definitely. I mean, over yeah. the English Channel, it'd be different characters, but you got Santa and so do we. We're joined by Liz Boardman, Mark Seymour, and Lorraine Deneen. So what about Christmas food? I mean, we always hear about figgy pudding. Mm. What is figgy pudding? Figgy pudding, um, we tend to call it Christmas pudding, uh-huh. and it's the dessert that we have after our main meal. Generally, the main meal is turkey. Now, when I'm thinking pudding... We use the word pudding uh, as an umbrella term for desserts, basically, desserts. but Christmas ah, pudding okay. is very specific. It's it's almost like a, a condensed fruitcake, mm. isn't it, with alcohol. And that's what um, you're talking about, alcohol. Liz, then, uh, this pudding? Yes, it's the Christmas, but it's very stodgy, very heavy, as Mark was saying, fruit-based, um, but it is loaded with alcohol as well, and people will often soak brandy on it mm. and set fire to it before yeah, serving. You have to, you have to set, fire, set to fire to it on Christmas yeah. Day. And this is what you leave out for Santa Claus too? No. No, no that's too good for Santa Claus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Santa only gets a mince pie. Oh, he gets the mince pie. Well, it'd be probably dangerous for him to run his uh, sleigh with too much of that uh, wonderful figgy pudding. And then, uh, is there a midnight mass tradition or midnight service in the Church of England? Or when, yes. when do you have? Yeah. And that would... um, a lot of people still go to midnight mass on Christmas Eve, uh-huh. uh, particularly in the villages. And sometimes it's your only chance to get along and sing a load of carols and have a good um, mm. sing song. So that's a beautiful tradition in England is the caroling. Yeah, as a small boy myself, I used to go with my brother and my sister and we would sing carols door to door. We'd knock on doors and we would sing carols whether they liked to hear us sing or not. <laughs> and then at the end of it, we would put our little hands out and they would put a sixpence in our hands and we would save it. And it wasn't for us. Every year we did this and often there would be a lot of money. We would give it to the Dr. Bernardo's uh, Foundation. Oh, that's beautiful. And it, I think what many is Dr. Kids, many Bernardo's families, Foundation? It's just another charitable association oh, yeah. helping children. And I think in a way for family life at Christmas, it, it gets the kids into giving. What the favorite carol? For me, it's always O Come All Ye Faithful, because you can really give it some gusto on the the chorus. Mark, what's your favorite carol? O Come All Ye Faithful. It was the the school carol, so we Mm. had to sing it. No, it's got to be Hark the Herald Angels. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you're in England during Christmas time, there's plenty of ways for a traveler to connect with the traditional culture, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. And then the day after Christmas, you've got something we don't have. What is Boxing Day? St. Stephen's Day or Boxing Day is another public holiday. So Christmas Day is a public holiday. Mm-hmm. Boxing Day is a public holiday. And I don't know about you guys, but Boxing Day, we always go to see the local hunt. Do you we do, do the same. Yeah. What's yeah, the we local do. hunt? It's a fox hunt. 
Seriously? Traditional fox hunting. In the 21st century? Yes. Actually, the fox hunting is illegal to actually kill foxes at the moment. But that's a technicality. You can hunt to fight. It's like catch and release. You can do... Well, no, they don't actually... (laughs) They do a false trail. So the the fox isn't physically hunted anymore since 2005. The dogs just follow the smell. Yes. Seriously, you get out and you watch the dogs being conned into thinking there's a fox out there (laughs) and you cheer. (laughs) The English, that's what we do. <laughs> Tradition. Tradition. You can't kill the fox, but you can still watch the dogs so, looking for them. So, so, so we get out there, we watch all the horses meet with all the dogs, and then quite often the Morris men come out and do their bit as well on Boxing Day. So the Morris men, I always feel like there's a bunch of characters in a closet somewhere with little bangles and whistles and bells, and they're just waiting for an excuse to come out and do this I, little jig. I think you've summed that up perfectly, Rick. Yes. <laughs> there's an Englishman in you. So there's like six or eight guys, and they're dressed quite, you know, gaily with all sorts of bells and ribbons and everything, and they will just do their little jig on the town square. Yes, yes, they do. And often, well, always for charity, they, yeah, there will always the be a hat and they'll be collecting money. So they get their chance, their moment in the sun on Boxing Day. Yes, Yes, they do. The moment under that one snowflake on Boxing Day. Yes, (laughs) the white Christmas. So they're celebrating. And in in England, uh, people are euphoric if there's one snowflake in the sky. One snowflake. It makes us very happy. We all long long for snow at Christmas and we very rarely get it. So when we do get it, it makes us very happy. It's a special Christmas Mm. and a special Boxing Day. Well, Lorraine, Mark, and Liz, thank you so much. Merry Christmas to all of you, and uh, thanks for letting us travel through England a little bit on this Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding and bring it out here. We won't go until we got some. We won't go until we got some. We won't go until we got some. So bring some out here. And in Belgium and in the Netherlands, they're preparing for Christmas. And I'm joined by uh, two people who live in the Low Countries, Ferdinando Mengi and Nina Derricks. Ferdinand and Nina, thanks for being with us. And uh, how does it unfold? What, what's the sort of uh, structure of the holiday celebration? We're really looking forward always to have that time of the year, you know, Christmas. But we start already earlier, especially in Belgium. We have the 6th of December that a lot of people don't even heard of. You have Santa Claus. We have Santa Claus. Yeah, see that. And we celebrate that both in Belgium yeah. and in the Netherlands. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think the Netherlands is maybe a little bit more into Santa Claus. You remember when, when the Sint arrives from Spain? And it comes on a boat, and it's out in Amsterdam in a canal somewhere. Yes, in Belgium, yeah. we used to tune into Dutch television yeah. to see Saint yeah. Nicholas arrive yeah. on his yeah. steamboat from Spain. And it dates back to a story about an ancient bishop in Spain yeah. who was very benevolent. And then it got through the, through the centuries yeah, turned into somebody yeah. who rewarded good children, which, of course, parents exploited very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were a child, you, you watched on TV St. Nicholas. Oh, my gosh. It yeah. was Sinterklaas, actually, who took the steamboat from Spain, yeah, landing way. in Amsterdam. And yeah. there was official welcomes for St. Nicholas. He also had his servants with him, Black Peters. The Black Peters, yeah. Yes. So this was his uh, sidekick, Black yeah. Peter. Black Peter, that's right, yes, uh, who basically descend on the, the s- night of the 5th December. Yeah. 
um, into the chimney, so they're covered in soot. They're That's dressed in be. Renaissance gear. They have yeah. these velvety breeches yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have a huge bag and a whip, which is for the bad kids. So they come yeah. and take your bad kids <laughs> from your homes. This is terrifying. Whoa, this uh, is well, not even nice. I remember. I can tell you a story a little bit about my childhood. My my mom and dad used to play this very well. I was kind of a I wouldn't say an obnoxious kid, but anyway, I was kind of hard to handle. And you always would run that time of the year. I was very very. Uh, how you say You're an obedient, Terrified. obedient, <laughs> obedient little boy, because terrorized by the arrival they, they, of black yes. deer. Yes, she That's would. Right. They, she would tell me he's coming, and he's going to come something. covered with black suit. Yeah, down the and chimney come and get with the whip, with a whip. And, oh my yeah. gosh, I was totally afraid. So you're a good little boy. I was a good yes. little boy just so, for that. So time. parents use yeah. Saint Nicholas Day, December sixth. Yeah. Yes. Is that what it is, Saint Nicholas Day? Saint yeah. Nicholas Day, Saint Nicholas Day. And yeah. then if you're good kids, you have some presents. You get rewarded what you do on the night of the fifth of December. Remember, put a shoe out. You put your shoe out, yeah. yeah, because those years ago you get tiny presents. So you have your shoe in which uh, you put a carrot for St. Nicholas's yes, horse because horse. they come over the roof. St. Nicholas seated on a horse, <laughs> Black Peter on a mule with a big bag and a yeah. whip. Yeah. And then they'll come through the chimney and then they'll give the food to the horse. In Belgium, you also put a trappist in the shoe, monk yeah, beer, beer, monastery yeah. beer to <laughs> reward black people. Oh, so you bribe black Peter with a little beer <laughs> yeah, exactly. to not use yeah, his whip yeah, on you. Yeah. And hopefully next day you find presents because if not, yeah. you find charcoal or you find twigs it, in your shoe. And somehow the next morning, uh, black Peter drank the beer. The beer's probably gone. The beer's <laughs> gone. <And> the <laughs> yes, my dad would usually be very happy next yeah, day. Yeah, he probably drank it. That's Remember right. when we had no carrots because this is, I'm talking about some years ago but carrots is not really a vegetable that was grown in the winter we put some sugar lumps in it there for the horse because okay. horses like sugar yes. sure so yeah. you, uh, sugar you, the reindeer horse. didn't come then it was yeah. on, no. uh, Sinterklaas comes from Spain oh. and with yeah. his horse and, and on the chimney the and yes. no whip yeah. for the kids yeah. who are good and, and I was, remember and my mom going to the local baker during the week we didn't notice as kids and she would make an appointment and then the local baker dresses up as St. Nicholas Oh yes, yeah. quite a few people <laughs> dress up as black people they rattle chains on yeah. the shutters oh, so you're yeah. terrified as children under the oh table we were sitting under the and table the s- I remember that the same comes in and you know the voice from the baker but <laughs> it doesn't make sense his shoes and he so. opens the big white book with all your sins so you yes. really believe this yeah. is true <laughs> he yeah. knew you he knew you he, like oh, God knew you or something. we're very local at the time I mean oh, this was not a goodness. big city I mean Nina grew up pretty much in the same kind of uh, size of town <laughs> okay so that's that's uh, December 6th yeah and then there's a couple of weeks where not much is going on, or what happens There next? was a time that, don't you think, Nina, that Santa Claus was, was actually a bigger party than, than Christmas? Yes, because there were presents. There were presents. And, and then, see, Christmas, there yeah. were no presents. Oh, so Christmas was more the religious there somber was more time. Yes. There was the yeah, family. And, and the, much the, more, yes. Church. It was and, much more and, the birth of Jesus, and it was the religion, and you yeah. went to Mass, to yeah, midnight I Mass. See, I wasn't a choir. I was a choir. Yeah. I didn't old. get presents when I was young for for Christmas. Only on on St. Nicholas Day. If I'd been 6th. good, yeah. yeah. And now it's all changing. Okay. Santa Claus is still there, but not as much because they, it's you know, have the big dinner and then you have the presents okay. under the tree. So let's talk you, about the Christmas, yeah. December 24, December 25 celebrations in Belgium. What would happen typically? What we do mostly every year, it's like the 24th, we are invited with our family. That's the night before Christmas. We have a great dinner. We get together and we open our presents at midnight. At midnight? Yeah. yeah. Is that after church? or regardless of church? Oh, it depends. If you go to the midnight mass, which usually starts around 11, you'd be out around midnight. You go back home around midnight, half past midnight, and then you open your presents. So kids are staying up pretty late on that. Oh, time. yeah, yeah, It's yeah. great. Yeah. Fun oh, yeah. time. It's so mm. fun to talk to both of you about this because you're both lighting up like children here, remember? <laughs> well, it brings back memories. I mean, I, I thought it was a fantastic time. Can you please, just because I love the Flemish language, wish our listeners across America a holiday greeting from Belgium? I would say in Dutch um, or in Flemish, in zalig en gelukkig en een voorspoedig nieuwjaar.
It's a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and a very prosperous year. And Nina, can you give us something? I just couldn't improve on that because that's the one. <laughs> that's, that's the, the one. one. That's, that's the what only you say. That's the one. the one, yeah. And I would say, Dankuvel. Alsjeblieft. Graag gedaan. Graag gedaan. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. Don't want a doll, no dinky tinker toy. I want a hippopotamus to play with and enjoy. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. I don't think Santa Claus will mind you. He won't have to use a dirty chimney flue. Just bring him through the front door. That's the easy thing to do. We'll find out how the children and grown-ups of Hungary, Portugal, and Prague get excited about Christmas next on Travel with Rick Steves. We'll hear what it's like to return to your hometown in Portugal for Christmas. And there's a fishy tale from Prague you won't want to miss. That's still ahead on today's Travel with Rick Steves. Right now, we're joined by a friend from Budapest. George Farkas is here to share the Hungarian vision of a magical Christmas. Hey, George, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. How do you say Merry Christmas in Hungarian? Boldog Karácsonyt. And what does that mean literally? Merry Christmas. George, if you think back to your fondest memories as a child growing up in Hungary, uh, Christmas memory, what would it be? Preparation for Christmas is always exciting, and obviously your excitement of trying to find out what you're going to get. Right. Uh, you know, And then your parents would hide your uh, Christmas gifts in the house, and then obviously once they go to work and you're already off uh, from school, you're going through all the cupboards and trying to find uh, you know, what they prepared for you. Or are you and, kidding? So the <laughs> mom and dad are away at work and you've got... Of course, the... and then you go through all the cupboards and trying to find what they've had prepared. And uh, there was so... one time when uh, <laughs> there was a box of... Uh, but there was a gadget of some type, which I didn't really care for, and I was uh, uh, very, very disappointed to receive it. And then I... I found it that it was hidden uh, for the next door neighbor's daughter. Oh, and you thought <laughs> or it was the for son you. Or whatever. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, don't tell me this is what I'm going to get. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was like really down. So, but, but the gifts were just hidden until they were ready to, to give of them. Of course, to yeah. I understand it starts with, what, the eve of St. Nicholas? Yes. And that's earlier, right? It's on the 5th uh, of December, and that's one of the big days. And uh, the night before uh, the 5th, you have to polish your boots, so they have to be spotless and clean, and then you put them in the window, and then you go to sleep, and then for next morning, you get up, and uh, the first thing before you do anything, you actually run to your boots and see what uh, Santa Claus uh, brought you over the night. And, um, you if you know, were a good you, boy. If, exactly. <laughs> if you were a good boy or a good girl, you got a present. If not, um, you got a couple of pieces of uh, uh, tree branches uh, tied together, usually sprayed silver or gold. <laughs> and that would be a red ribbon. And then that would uh, show that, you know, you were not really behaving well. And then this is what you're going to get hit with, you know, is that you chased with. Uh, now, is, because this is on December 5th. 5th. Yes. And then is that a way for you to sort of, if you got the sticks, to become a better child? A, a nicer child, a, and then on December 24th, you'll get another Supposedly, that's a message. Opportunity. Yes, yes. And then it's, you must not imagine big gifts. You would get maybe right. chocolate, or you right. would get tiny, you know, maybe a pair of gloves or something like that. Right. And then um, none of the parents would miss to put one of these little tree branches in, uh, because there is always a way to improve. So Always a little <laughs> room for improvement. <laughs> exactly. Was there a does Santa Claus have a partner in this in this little activity? Well, our um, sort of other character that we would have that would be uh, Krampus. 
Krampus is uh, most of the times is, is a female, and uh, uh, she would be dressed in black and would have a long tail and uh, black gloves on. And, scary. And it would be scary. So uh, if, again, if you got those wooden branches, and then uh, you could expect to be chased by the Krampus. Um, oh, so, so you're so terrorized into <laughs> being a good little. <laughs> you could say that. Yes. <laughs> this is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with George Farkas. He's from Budapest in Hungary. George, let's go right up to Christmas Eve now. It's Christmas Eve, and uh, do I understand the parents will they take the family out and buy the tree on the 24th and decorate it? Well, very traditionally. Traditionally, yeah. 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 And then uh, how does it then play out for the children? What, what is the... So you basically you decorate your tree, and then always a huge preparation to clean the house and get everything decorated and ready and set the table, and mommy's cooking dinner. And then you go and um, sit down at the dinner table. You can't wait to finish your meal. Because after the meal, um, this is when you actually receive your presents. You kids are trying to be polite and make conversation at dinner, but all you want to be done oh, of is course. done with yeah, dinner. Let's oh, get to no. the presents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you can yeah. even think back to that. And very... you already see the presents many <laughs> you times. See you see the presents under this. So you, like, imagine yourself sitting at this table and then you have the Christmas tree and all the boxes are under the Christmas tree and you're thinking, which one is going to be mine? <laughs> <laughs> and what would the traditional um, food items be on the table? Um, that would be uh, poultry or um, uh, most of the times it would be fish. fish? Carp. Carp. Carp, yeah. So we would have like a a carp soup, uh, which uh, again with Hungarian traditions would be fairly similar to goulash color texture type so of goulash, uh, a carp goulash. Yes, you could say carp okay. goulash. Uh, we call it a fish soup. But all you care about is those gifts oh, under the yeah, tree. Yeah. Before you get to the gifts, what would be the most popular or most beloved uh, dessert for Christmas time? Is it special um, cakes or automatically it's called bagley, and um, you should imagine like a dough sitting on your uh, pan and then you put filling in and you roll it up mm. and the fill, you probably would be surprised, the most popular one is poppy seeds. Poppy seeds. So we eat a large amount of poppy seeds, big quantity of poppy seeds and uh, I usually make a joke that it nearly stopped us entering the European Union because they wanted to control the amount of poppy seeds and, <laughs> and I usually say that, you know, we stood up and said, if you want us with our poppy seeds, we're coming, if not we're staying out. Hungry with poppy seeds or not at all. <laughs> yeah. And for a lot of Americans, uh, the candlelight, uh, silent night is the most beloved carol. What would be the most popular carol in Hungary? I would say the the Hungarian version of that. How do you um, say silent night in Hungarian? Csendes E. Really? So yeah. you sing the same song? Csendes E. Csendes E. Csendes E. But I don't want to do any more with my beautiful voice. But <laughs> George Farkas from Budapest, thank you very much. And tell me again how to say Merry Christmas in Hungarian. Boldog Karácsonyt. Boldog Karácsonyt. We're continuing our celebrations of Christmas all over Europe, and now we're going to Portugal. We have on the line Claudia da Costa in Lisbon. Claudia, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas, too. How is Christmas uh, unique in Portugal, Claudia? Well, depends on the region. But especially in uh, the inland small towns, is something special. And especially, I think the most important thing to say is that it's for families. Do you have relatives in a small town? Yes, I have. My, my grandmother. Okay, pretend you're taking me to your grandmother's place for mm-hmm. a traditional Christmas. Tell me what happens on Christmas Eve and what happens on Christmas Day. Well, 24 December, we are all day cooking. <laughs> And uh, we are preparing, well, uh, sweets, 
and especially we're preparing the codfish, the salted codfish. Salted cod, um, okay. Yes, we eat cod with vegetables and potatoes. Uh-huh. And uh, we eat very late, around 10, 10 p.m., because then we go to the mass. Okay. And then after mass, we open the presents. Because okay. we should only open the presents at midnight. Then we go out again, and we will in, in uh, important places such as, I don't know, the church or the mayor or the tribunal. We have some big fireplace. We will stay all around because it's very cold. It's near the mountain, so it's very cold. And we stay there hours talking and yeah. talking about nothing. <laughs> huh. Sometimes we, we drink coffee because we will do coffee in the fire. We have a, a very old pan to prepare our coffee. And then we stay there all night talking and drinking coffee. So they, you have the old traditional way of putting the pan right in the fire to make your coffee. Exactly. <laughs> Very romantic. So what time would you go to sleep then normally? Sometimes we don't sleep, or we sleep only two or three hours. So we're celebrating Christmas in Portugal here with Claudia da Costa's grandmother in a village in the north. It's cold. We've just been out until three in the morning at the fire, with the bonfires, talking to everybody. Go home, sleep a couple hours. What happens on Christmas Day? Well, on Christmas Day, it's very important always to say that you can't have empty table. It's forbidden. So we put the table for our dead relatives. Always we think about them in this important period. So usually we say that we put the table for them. Okay, so you set the so table, actually. So they will actually. come at night to eat something. You put food out and plates and mm-hmm. silverware and mm-hmm. drinks. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's a way to remember. Exactly. You've been to Mass already the night before, so uh, is it just family time and uh, eating? Is that what happens yes, on the 25th? Yes, but usually we have three Masses on the 25th. Three Masses? The first one, yes, the first one that we have from midnight. Right. We call this Misa do Galo, while translation is Rooster Mass. <laughs> and then we have another second Mass in the morning, and then you have the Mass of the day, because you, we have always one Mass per day. Wow. Now, a lot of people don't go to church in Portugal every week. If they go to one Mass in the whole year, it would be probably Christmas. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. I do this. <laughs> you do this. So you're, you're, you're a good Mass-goer on Christmas. Yes, I go. Because, uh, I don't know, my grandmother, she likes, and I think it's, it's necessary to go. Sure. Hey, yes. Claudia, when you think back at your childhood when you were a little girl, what is, uh, what's your favorite Christmas memory? Usually I have my Christmas Day in, in the small, my grandmother's small town. Uh-huh. Because in Lisbon, it's completely different. We try to have a Christmas in Lisbon, but it's not the same. Right. Because people, they are buying and buying. It's not the same. Well, the tradition is not the same. We forgot some things that are very important, especially the family, because, well, it's commercial. Sure. Now, with all that shopping, the children are getting some presents. Who brings the presents? How does that work? In America, of course, Mm -hmm. we have Santa Claus, and he comes in the night, and in the morning, the children find what he brought. Exactly the same. Ah, So Santa Claus comes down the chimney in Portugal also. Yes, exactly. Claudia, at this Christmas time, uh, what are your wishes for the new year? My wishes. Always the same. Three wishes. What is that? Health. Yeah. Money. Money. And love. And love. Uh Uh-huh. I hope that you have all your wishes come true. Thank you very much. Deus vos dá nas tantas festas, fum, fum, fum. Deus vos dá nas tantas festas, fum, fum, fum. Antes de Freddy Kahlo e mal melhor e mal melhor. Fena de Jesus memória, Perkinsburg e dá lá glória, fum, fum, fum.
风风风风风风风风风。What's on your menu this year for the big Christmas feast? Katerina Svobodova joins us now on Travel with Rick Steves to tell us what they're cooking up in Prague in the Czech Republic. Katerina, thanks so much for making time to be with us this really busy time of year. Thank you for inviting. Katerina, in Prague at Christmas time, what's the big traditional meal? What does it feature? Well, most in most of the families, we uh, like to eat carp. That's carp, carp, the fish. the fish. Oh yeah. Well, I forgot you're from America. But that you may have that feeling that carp is not a good fish because a lot of people have that carp is the kind lowest of, fish yes, on the eating Yes, they say ladder. the the bottom like level <laughs> fish. But no, this is not the way how it goes in my country. Okay. We even have the fish farms for the carp, especially in the southern part of Bohemia either natural or man-made uh, ponds, you know, where, where this uh, fish is uh, breeded. And then it is brought to the bigger cities. Just about a couple of days before Christmas, we sometimes buy the live one in those fish tanks, what they bring to the markets, to the Christmas markets. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just buy fillets, but we all prepare it the same way. And that is just the easiest probably. And that's just to put it in a, in a flour, in, a, in an egg and in a, a breadcrumbs and we fry it. So that's like like a schnitzel, but that's a fish. A carp schnitzel. So you, and, and you know it's fresh because you bought it in the market live. Mm-hmm. That's from, from right. a fish farm. And then it goes together with potato salad, what we usually prepare 24 hours before because of all the ingredients is nicely melt. And that's a kind of a cold one called potato salad. Some people also do the fish soup. So then that's like the first course of the meal where they do more like a fish broth with the vegetables. How far back in time does this passion for carp go for the Czech people? Actually, the way how it is prepared, this uh, fried carp and, and the cold potato salad, it's not as long as we would probably think. It's not even 100 years. At least I was also trying to find out, you know, once the history of it, when it really started. And according to uh, all the information I could get, it was just about 1920s, the period of uh, Czechoslovakia, okay. when we had one very famous lady who was writing a, a cookbooks, uh, Magdalena Dobromila Retigova, and she was the one who actually included this way of preparation of carp into her cookbook. So you, you get the carp live in the market, you take it home, how do you keep it alive? Uh, well, or do you just kill it right away? Uh, no, 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 no. We actually uh, usually you get it alive if you have children because this is a big thing for them. Especially if they live in big cities, they don't see much of you know. Uh, or so ma- people are going home with a, a big plastic bag, plastic with water bag, in a it, little bit of and water, a and a car. And it's quite yeah. funny when you go on a metro with it, you know, or so. so but you do going in the metro with a baggie with a carp in it. With the carp in it, and then you bring it home, and then the easiest way where you put the carp, it's your bathtub. Seriously, well, they they fill seriously. the bathtub and let the carp swim, and the kids enjoy it for a day. They've yeah. got a little pet carp. But I must say that you know when I did it in my family, I had to really like uh, find out all the details about it because I heard that of course if you bring the carp, you put it in your bathtub, it's a completely different uh, water temperature, and you will kill the fish this way anyway. So then. That's no goal for that. So then I really, what I did, I was catching the rainy water in our terrace we have. That rainy water I put into the bathtub. Then even some ice that it would be really cold because otherwise it could have been kept outside, but we just wanted to have inside. It was two years ago when we did it. The carp my husband brought was almost dead, you know, that moment when he brought it. But we put it there and he, I don't know, probably liked our bathtub that he came alive. So he got rain water chilled with nice Mm -hmm. ice and he enjoyed, he came back to life in your own bathtub. Yeah, no chlorinated water, nothing. Ah, that's and we it. normally we have it for about two days or so, and then of course, yeah. The the sad part of this whole thing is that then the day of the murder comes. 
Christmas Day. Yes, and, and that you, is like... And then, you, and then you make the carp fillet, and it brings so much joy to so many people. Oh, it does. We have a tradition in the United States of, uh, you know, having the big feast around the turkey on Thanksgiving, mm. and there's a ritual where, you know, the president will pardon a turkey, and that's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Is there anything related to that with your, with your Christmas feasting? This is what many of us do. We have it, we keep it alive, and we return it back to the water. To is the that plant. right? Oh, so this is what we do. Then you go and buy the fillets, but then often it is like you give the freedom to the fish. And, of course, you, again, have to kind of maybe study a little bit about how to do it because, of course, you can easily just release the fish. But then you know that, again, you will kill the fish because the fish is usually very weak. You know, it has not been fed for, I don't know, a month or something. So I was so, so, so much concerned about all this that I had to study it online, like what to do with the fish, not to kill it the way that we just return it back to the pond. So some fishermen were giving advices on YouTube or somewhere. So I just studied it all, exactly how I should do it. And we released the carp we had last Christmas. And that's also the thing that the, the fish usually in families with children becomes part of the family. Children give name to the carp, you know. When I was little, we always had Carl. Carl the carp. The ending of the story was also when we put the carp to the pond, and I was really like looking what pond it would be even the most appropriate, that he would have even friends there. Then it really did happen that we just put the bag down to the water. The carp kind of went away, but then returned, look at us, and then we never saw him again. So he came back to say goodbye and thank Most you. Most probably. He really liked it in our, yeah, in our apartment. You are an amazing carp lover. I think among oh. the, in the carp community, you might be considered a saint. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. You know, it's almost Christmas in Prague when you find Carl the Carp in the bathtub. Our Travel with Rick Steves guide to the unique components of a Czech Christmas is Katerina Svobodova. When do you have the big feast in your family on Christmas? We celebrate the 24th of December evening. Describe the table. What is everybody eating and drinking and, and what's the dessert? Mm-hmm. So we usually set the table. The truth is that the porcelain in many uh, families, it's that blue onion, I think you call it. Uh, that's very traditional. We like it this way. Of course, if we like live in modern apartments, we may not have it, but blue, we try to blue, blue uh, onion pattern on the on porcelain, the, on the porcelain, okay. on, on the plates and mm-hmm. and and soup balls and so. Uh, if we eat soup, because it depends, we also have that saying that uh, if you don't eat the whole day, as we uh, have then the Christmas dinner, you will see. We call it like you will see the golden uh, little piggy, and that's for good luck. But of course, not many of us can Wait a minute. If you don't suffer. eat all day, you yeah. will see the golden piggy? Yeah, this is what we say. What like, is the golden uh, piggy? Zlaté prasátko, we say. And that is, uh, that is just for good luck. You know, a pig can yeah. be, when we do the Christmas cookies, gingerbread. Uh-huh. And we do it in the shape of a, of a little pig. We usually put there the, the cloves. Four-leaf clover. Yeah, yeah. So the the symbol for the good luck. Uh-huh. We put it on it. So then we usually say, like, if you don't eat, you know, then the whole day, then you then will be lucky. You'll have the luck. Yeah. yeah. But that's why we eat the soup sometimes at lunch, just that we have the first course at lunch and then we continue with the dinner later on. Okay. The table is set. Uh, oh, what is important? If you have a family of four or if you have a family of six or whatever number you have, you always put one more, one more setting. Why is that? Just in case if somebody comes. You're always ready for a guest. Yes. Katerina Svobodova, how do you say Merry Christmas in Czech Republic? Veselé Vánoce. Vesely Vanotse. Did I get it? Yes, you did. All right. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. 
Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton, Sarah McCormick, and Isaac Kaplan-Wolner at Rick Steves Europe in Edmonds, Washington. Station promotions are by Sheila Gerzoff. And our theme music is by Jerry Frank. You can listen again in the radio section of ricksteves.com. Join us again next week as our holiday celebrations continue on Travel with Rick Steves. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.